Thanks, Vicky. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Hans. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. And it's great to see you all here. I just want to um, just very quickly talk about the sermon series that we're doing. We're doing a, a sermon series on, on money. And I know that um, everyone's favourite topical series in the church is money. That's not true. We, we don't like to talk about money. And, um, but but let, let, let me set, set this up by saying, saying this. Um, at the members' meeting, we are going to talk about um, money as, as a church. We're going to talk about where, where our finances are. And, um, and yet, this sermon series isn't done in response to where we're at financially. Um, we preach on money every three years because Jesus talks about money more than almost anything else, right? And so this sermon series was decided uh, that we we're going to preach on money three years. This, the, the passages and uh, the timing of this sermon series was actually chosen in June last year, right? And so I was talking with Kate about, about this, and, and I was saying, hey, isn't it kind of weird that, you know, we're going to be talking about finances at the members' meeting, and yet we're doing this? And she goes, no, it's actually beautiful. Isn't it beautiful that God knew what, as a church, we actually needed to think about and hear about? And so uh, I, I believe that this, this sermon series is God's gift to us. Um, but can I say, this sermon, if it challenges you 10%, of how it's challenged me and putting it together, it's going to be a very challenging sermon. So I'm going to pray that we would have soft hearts and minds and uh, as, we, as we encounter God in his word. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I pray as we look at this very, very challenge, these very challenging words of Jesus, uh, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that as, as, as Jesus' words today are going to sting I pray that we would not recoil and get hard hearts, but you would give us soft, open hearts. Lord, as, as we may um, feel angry, maybe, at these words of Jesus, or the way I may apply them, I pray that your spirit would help us see that that anger is probably showing us an area that we need to work on and maybe we need to change. And so, Lord, give us the gift of repentance where we need it and, Lord, help us to see the foolishness of the way our world approaches money and materialism. And, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, sermon series amongst pastors and churches kind of go through fashions. And so a, a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago, there was a thing where a bunch of churches were doing a sermon series on the seven deadly sins, right? You know, anger, greed, all that kind of stuff, gluttony, lo, um, sloth, I don't know what they are, but, 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 but anyway. And uh, what was very interesting was that a bunch of people on Facebook, a bunch of pastors on a particular pastor's Facebook group that I'm in, were talking about this series and they were saying how great it was that there was a lot of people come, people were really excited about this series, but they all noticed that there was one week where attendance plummeted. That, that some churches said that, that the week before this particular week, and, and as they compared it to this week, attendance sometimes halved. What was that week when no one attended? That week was when the pastor preached on greed. And it was very interesting that one particular pastor went to his parish council. He was in an Anglican church. He still is in that Anglican church. And he said, why do you think we plummeted in attendance-wise? 
And it went silent. And then one of his wardens actually said to him, because as a church we don't have a problem with greed. It's funny that we all laugh at that. You know, some of us are laughing at that. Because I think one of the things is we, we know that other people have got a problem with greed, don't we? I mean, I'm sure you're thinking right now, some of us are thinking at least, going, man, I'm glad such and such is here to hear this sermon because I know they've got a problem with greed. But actually the problem with greed is that it actually blinds its victim. The problem with greed is it blinds its victim. We live in a world built on greed. How much money do you really need? Well, more according to our world. How much stuff do you need? Well, more according to our world. And that is what we're drinking in all the time through media, through advertising, through everything. And so, can I say, I think our working hypothesis should not be that I don't struggle with greed. But our working hypothesis should be that actually this is probably a problem for me and I may not know about it. I've been a pastor in some kind of ministry for, since I was 20, so 22 years. I have not had one person in my 22 years of ministry come up to me and said, Hans, I'm really struggling with something. I'm struggling with greed. I've had, I've had pretty much every other confession said to me, never greed. Why? Because I think our default thing is greed is someone else's problem. But actually, because we live in the West, because we live in abundant Australia, I think we should be saying, actually, greed is our problem. Because greed hides itself from its victims and blinds its victims. And can I just say, I am not preaching this sermon saying, hey, you know, you guys need to change. As I've been looking at this and I'm going to share with you a bit later in the sermon that I don't really want to preach this sermon because I've found it so confronting to me and I'm going to share how... um, I need to change also. And, and, and so if, you are, if there's a point in this sermon where you go, man, that's so challenging, that's, you're just ripping my heart, I just want to say I know because God's done that in my heart over this week but also the past few months as we've been preparing for this sermon series on money. We're going to see, as we look at this sermon, as we look at this passage, we're going to see three things, three clear pictures a clear picture of our hearts, a clear picture of foolishness, and a clear choice. A clear picture of our hearts, a clear picture of foolishness, foolishness rather, and a clear choice. Let's have a look at a clear picture of our hearts. Have a look at verse 13 with me. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, what you've got to realize is this. Um, this is part of a passage starting at 12 verse 1. Jesus, in 12 verse 1 to 12, has been talking about eternal realities. And he's been basically saying, how you respond to me is how I'm going to respond to you in eternity. And so you've got to think about eternal things. And it seems like this, this brother here is saying, oh, Jesus, just stop with that eternal life, heaven, hell rubbish. Let's get practical. 
let's get practical. Can you divide the inheritance with me? He calls Jesus a teacher. Back, back in that day, the rabbis would arbitrate between you know, brothers in this situation. But notice, he doesn't want arbitration. He wants Jesus to choose for him. He's ordering around Jesus. Have a look again, verse 13. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's not like, hey, can you work this out? Can you help us? No, I want this. And notice how, what Jesus says. Have a look at verse 14. Jesus replied, man, can you hear the exasperation there? Oh, man, who, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Jesus is saying, hey, you've missed the point of why I come. I'm not here to, to, to deal with petty little matters like that. Jesus is not here to, to deal with these kind of things. Jesus was, came to bring people into relationship with God, not people into relationship with more money. He was meant to unite people, not divide them. And, he, and this man wants the opposite. And notice how he is saying, I want you to judge my brother. But Jesus, as we're going to see, is going to be judge over him. Have a look at verse 15 with me. Then Jesus said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the in abundance of his possessions. Now, now, now I hate to get kind of um, grammatical on you, but I want you to see something. Notice how Jesus, verse 14, is talking to the man. Then Jesus changes. Then he said to them, verse 16, and he told them. He was talking to one man. Now he's talking to the crowd. Why is that significant? These words of Jesus are not just for this man. They were for the crowd. They are not just for the person sitting next to you. They are for you. They are not just for the person that you wished were here to hear this sermon. They are for you and for me. And so these, if Jesus was here, he'd be addressing you and me through these words. But did you see what he says? He starts off by saying, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. The, the idea of watch out is the word there. It's like a, a person who's watching out for an invading army. And he's saying, be on your guard. The, the phrase there implies that you're always on your guard. It's not like you're just going, well, I need to be on my guard on Monday and Tuesday, but the rest of the week I can take the time off. No, Jesus is saying, greed is this thing. It, it, you've got to be on your guard as if it is this invading army trying to destroy you. you you've got to be on your guard, not just some of the time, but all of the time. And can I just say, I think we do need to. I need to. I mean, especially when I, you know, if I go to the shops or, or if I'm scrolling online uh, you, you know, and seeing all this, all this stuff that I would like to have. And, and on my phone is basically saying, Hands, you need this. You want this. You need this. Jesus is saying, Hands, you are in danger there. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He is talking about constant vigilance. But notice what he says. He says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Just take that on board. 
life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And yet our world says it does, doesn't it? Don't you need more and better all the time? Don't you need more stuff, a bigger house, better car, better clothes, better toys, better holidays, better whatever? And Jesus is saying, watch out, because life doesn't consist in the abundance of those things. But here's our problem. Our world says it does. Our world says clearly it does. And yet Jesus is saying you don't get an abundant life through the accumulation of material possessions. And can I just say, finding more and more stuff or wanting more and more stuff the hunger's insatiable. You can never have enough stuff because you'll always know or you'll always see someone who's got better stuff and you'll be like, oh, I want that. I want more. Jim Carrey once famously said this, everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. He's a man who's got all the money that you want and he goes, I wish everyone was extremely rich like me and then they would realise, hey, it's not the answer. And don't we see that as many famous people, unfortunately, are so depressed and addicted. They've got all the money and the fame in the world and yet that's not the answer. See, Jesus here is saying, be on your guard. I wonder, are you on your guard against greed? I wonder if you have even thought over the last six months whether you might be indulging in something that someone else could, could, could consider greed. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I, I've been reading on the, through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7, uh, and, um, and I read these words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And as soon as I read that, my heart was convicted. I was sitting up the back there, I, was, I think it was a Tuesday morning, and I read that, and I went, oh man, I think, I think God's talking to me. And I think he's talking to me about my guitar stuff. And you're kind of laughing because I'll tell you, there's two reasons why you're laughing. One, you have seen it in me. And two, you just think, why would you spend all your money on guitar stuff? That's kind of stupid, isn't it, right? And, and, and here's the thing. I, I went over to, to Kate. As soon as I read that, you know, I went over to Kate and I said, hey, hey babe, um, I just read these words. Do you think I've got a problem with storing up myself treasure on earth and not storing up treasure in heaven. And she goes, oh, we're talking about guitar stuff, aren't we? And I, was, and I said, I need your support right now, not your judgment. Come on, like, you know, right? And, and can I just say, I was like, I need to change. And so just as I used to have a plan to acquire more stuff, I've got a plan now to sell. And can I just say, it's, it's really painful. Uh, I'm selling, I'm trying to sell 
piece of gear at the moment and there's three people on Facebook Marketplace who are inquiring about it. I do not want to answer their inquiries because I may, I may sell it. And it's really, really hard. And I'm finding it really hard. But once again, you guys probably are going, oh, it's only guitars, it's a silly thing. How many, how many do you really need, right? But do you really need the renovation or the extension on your house? Do you really need that expensive holiday that you go on? Do you really need the car that you bought when a second-hand car would have been half as expensive? Do you, do you really need to send your kids to private schools? Do you really need that extra money in the bank for security? See, you may think guitars are just dumb, probably are. But I think we all have got greed. It just comes in different forms. Now, some of you guys are furiously angry at me for, for saying that. How dare you say that, Hans? How dare you say that? I can't believe you would be so arrogant as to say that. Can I just say, that anger says something, doesn't it? That anger says that I pointed out something that you know, that you know you've got to analyse. Last year, I, I, I was playing in church and I, um, I brought a guitar I not, not normally play and Bang said to me, um, said, you bought a new guitar? I said, oh, no, I just don't play this that much. And he said, how many electric guitars have you got? I said, oh, four. And um, he said, he said, how many guitars do you need? And I, I got really angry. I mean, I joke with Bang. I just, oh, I just want more, right? Just as a joke, right? But I got really angry. I didn't show it. Bang wasn't being nasty. He was just having kind of a fun banter with me. But I, I got really angry. And I was like, oh, in, internally, I was going, how dare he ask that question? How dare he point out something in my life like that? I mean, and he's not even a musician, he's a drummer. I mean, like, come on, right? How dare he do that? But you know what? That is, that, I think that was God's spirit moving through Bang to convict me of my sin. And here, to my shame, here's what I did. I just said, Bang doesn't know what he's talking about. And I just moved on. And, and I did not question that anger. Maybe you're really angry because you are planning to have that big holiday and I've questioned it. Maybe you're really angry because you've, you're putting your kids through private schools and I've questioned it. Maybe you're really angry because you have got a lot of money in your bank for a rainy day, heaps, and I've questioned it. Maybe you're really angry because I've asked you about that renovation or extension and you're, and you're angry that I questioned it. But that anger, I think, says that I think I pointed out an idol in your life. And here's, here's what you don't want to do with that. You don't want to then go, I'm just going to ignore hands because what does he know? I think you want to ask your spouse and God and maybe even a Christian brother or sister, and go, hey, I was really convicted of this. I think I need to change. What, what do you reckon? 
Because aren't you then putting so much stock in that and aren't you trying to show that your life consists in the abundance of your possessions, which is exactly what Jesus says it doesn't? See, the, the hard thing with just this bit is Jesus gives a clear picture of our hearts, especially mine, and he says, Hans, don't you realise how much you think your life consists in the abundance of your possessions because you've drunk so much from the world's well? And so I need to change. I need to see that my, my greatest treasure is Jesus and what he's done for me. So do you. But, he, but, but Jesus is also going to give us not only a clear picture of our hearts, but a clear picture of foolishness. Have a look at verse 16 with me. And he told them this parable. Now, here's the thing. A parable is a story with, with some intent. It's got a sting in a tail, always. And, and Jesus says this parable. The ground of a certain rich man. Notice he's already rich. He's not a poor man who becomes rich. He is already rich. Uh, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Notice how Jesus has set this up. It's the ground of, uh, of a rich man. The implication was that, that the ground gave him this abundant harvest. God gave him this abundant harvest. And he's got all this stuff. He's got an abundant harvest. And so verse 17, have a look. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, what you've got to realize, Jesus is being very subtle here, and I think Luke is being very subtle here. Notice who he has the conversation with. He has the conversation with himself. In Luke's gospel, everyone who has a conversation with themselves has got evil intent. So, when Jesus is healing a man, what do the Pharisees do? They say to themselves, or they speak to themselves, all the way through Luke's gospel, uh, to, to speak to yourself is to show that you are in the wrong. Here is a man who is in the wrong. He is speaking to himself about his money. And back in Jesus' day, what you would do if you got a, an amazing crop like this, you would go to the wise men of the town and go, I've got this crop, what should I do? And you would decide together. I just want to ask you this question. Who knows how much you earn other than you and your spouse? Who knows how much you give away to church and to charity other than you and your spouse? You're probably going, well, no, 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 hands, that's my money. That's private. Why is it private? Why? You, you go to growth group and you share mar marital struggles. That's the right thing to do. You share, you know, struggles at work. That's the right thing to do. But actually, when was the last time at your growth group you actually went, actually, you know, I need to talk about how much I'm giving or not? No, no, but that's private. Why would you make something private which Jesus says, if you get it wrong, will send you to hell? I read a commentary this week on this passage where, it talk, where, where the guy talks about the elders at church at the church he went to, or he goes to, one of the things that they do once a year is bring their bank statements in and they talk about how much money they're giving away. And I thought that was really, really confronting. But I actually think that's a really good thing. 
one of the things I've noticed is that no one other than Kate or me knows how much we earn and how much we give away. And I actually think that's spiritually deadly for me. Because I've got no one who is going to say, look at that and go, hands, I think you'll I think I can see greed. And I think you're really in eternal danger. I wonder if there's someone in your life that you can trust to look at how much money you're earning and how much, how generous you are and to say, hey, brother or sister in Christ, actually, I see that you're earning these hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you can't even give even 3% away or even 5% or, or whatever. Brother, I think I see greed in your life. Sister, I think I see greed in your life. I think you need to repent. Let's work on this repentance together. See, because this man speaks to himself like we do about our money, and Jesus is, I think, implying that that's flat out wrong. See, if, if Jesus is right and greed is a deadly adversary, you need allies in your corner. And so, therefore, you need people who understand where you're coming from with your money. But then, what does this guy do? As you know, he builds barns and, and does all this thing. And yet, have a look. What does God say? Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. And you're going, well, what he's not a fool. He was very strategic. He knew how to manage his money. He knew how to manage his bonds. He knew how to do all that, right? I mean, he was very, 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 very smart. But what we've got to realize, Jesus is saying he's a fool, not because he was brainless, but because he was godless. He's a fool, not because he's brainless, but because he's godless. And actually, I think you see his foolishness in six different ways. First of all, he has a foolish sense of his own importance. Did you see that, how he's always referring to himself? Have a look at verse 17 again. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink and be merry. He's, he's talking about himself. He is at the center of every sentence. He thought he was self-sufficient. Actually, he's just flat out self-centered. And, and, and the problem with being, uh, he, he thought he was blessed to, just for himself, right? And yet he's self-destructive also. We live in an age that is increasingly more and more and more self-centered, don't we? I mean, I mean, just the way we look at used photos. Um, over in Denmark, there is one photo of my great great grandfather. One photo, only one that I know of. And, and he's standing out the front of, of the farm that he's with, and he's got there's my great grandfather there and his wife, and you know all that kind of stuff. And and my great grandfather is in work clothes, and he looks kind of angry. It's almost like he's going, what is this stupid thing we're doing? Who's going to feed the pigs? I'm going to be feeding the pigs. This is just ridiculous, right? He just has that vibe about him. I've got one photo of my great-grandfather. But imagine in 100 years' time what people are going to say. They're going to say, hey, do you want to see 100,000 photos of my great-grandfather? Do you want to see every... Do you want to read every thought he's ever had in his life? Because that's what we do, don't we? We share so many 
selfies of ourselves because we think we're the most important thing. And that's what Jesus is saying, that's foolish. But, but here's the second thing. He has a foolish sense of blessing. He thinks he is blessed for himself. Have a look at once again at verse 19. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink and be merry. He thinks he is blessed. He is rich for himself. And yet Jesus calls that absolute foolishness. He complains about that he has nowhere to store his grain or his crops. Ambrose says he could have stored all his grains in the mouths of the needy, but he never thinks about that. He has a foolish sense of time. Have a look again at verse 19. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for what? Many years. He thinks he's got all this life ahead of him. Verse 20, God says, your life now. I'm taking your life back. God terminates his life. I saw that up close with my dad. My dad and mum were going to retire and do a bunch of things. And unfortunately, my dad's life was cut short before he could. Who knows what, if God's going to do that for you or for me? Don't have a foolish sense of time. But he also has a foolish sense of purpose. Once again, verse 19. He thinks life is about taking it easy, eat, drinking, and be merry. Verse 20, sorry, verse 21. God says your purpose is to be rich towards God. See, he thinks his purpose in life is to have the Aussie dream. To, 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 to just get to a place where you're comfortable, to, to just chill and everything. God says, no, no, your purpose, your purpose, the thing that you've been created for is to worship God, to be rich towards him. He also has a foolish sense of ownership. Have a look at verse 18 again with me. This is what I will do, tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, but, but remember, who gave him this surplus grain? It came from the ground. It came from God. He thinks he owns it. But he, he doesn't realize that actually God owns it. Do you realize that all the things that you have are not yours? The Bible says they're actually God's. Now you're probably saying, well, Hans, that, that's not true. I have earned all this stuff, right? I've worked very hard. And can I just say you have? I'm not saying you haven't. But think about this. Think about all the things God did in your life for you that you had no control over to get you to where you needed to be. I just think about my life. I was born in Australia, not, Calcutta, not, not the slums of Calcutta. I had, I had parents that loved me and cared for me. I had parents that, 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 uh, that told me how discipline and hard work is really important. I went to a pretty good school, right? I had opportunities there that I wouldn't have if I was in a different place in a different time. I married someone who was really good with money. I didn't know she was good with money at the time. See, the thing is, God, I can look at my bank balance and my stuff and go, well, man, I worked hard for it and I did, right? But really, God set it up so that my little bit of work, my 1% of work, 
gave me a bit of that, but really, God gave it all to me. When was the last time you went home and just looked at your house and said, thank, thank you, Jesus, thank you gave me all this? When was the last time you looked at your bank balance and went, oh, Jesus, thank you for giving me all this? See, the thing is, we have a look in verse 17. He says, he has all this wealth and he goes, what shall I do? Well, James 15, sorry, 5.13 says, if you're happy, you should praise God. I would say this guy is very happy. He should have praised God. Why? Because praising God is an antidote to making that thing an idol. If you praise God for the stuff that you've got, it won't become the centre of your life. God is because you're saying, God, you've given me this and I'm using this to praise you. See, he should have realised that life is a lot like Monopoly. I don't know if um, you play Monopoly or I love Monopoly. My, My wife won't play Monopoly with me because I destroy her every time, right? I, I beat someone so bad at Monopoly that they cried once. My cousin was seven, but I still won, right, you know? So here's the great thing about Monopoly. You go around, you get all the stuff, and, and uh, you, you get Mayfair and everything, you build hotels, you get all that money. But you know the problem with Monopoly is you can't take it with you. You know, when it's all over, you put it into a box and it goes, it goes away, And that's like your money and my money. You can't take it with you. You know, one day you will die and it will go to to people, to other people, just like this guy knows that it goes to other people. And so the question is, are you going to view your money or your life a bit like Monopoly? You can't take all of it with you. It's not yours in the end, it's God's. And the irony of this passage is he got it all and then he couldn't even say who it goes to. Verse 20, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He doesn't know. Lastly, he's got a a foolish sense of value. He's got many good things in verse 19, but 20... God says you should have been caring about your eternity. He he puts all the value on his money and stuff and none on eternity. What do you care about more, your money or your soul? Your money or eternity? I don't know about you, but I don't like, I used to like this passage. I don't anymore. Because Jesus seems to be pointing out all the foolishness in my life and I wonder if he's doing that to you. And he's warning you and me to say, do you realise if you're drinking from the materialistic greed that a world is putting out there, you are in spiritual and eternal danger. And I wonder what you're going to do with this warning. A number of years ago when I was a teenager, I was uh, hanging out with a muso friend of mine and um, I was over at his place and we we turned the the, the news on and... um, and uh, as he turned on the news, he, he lit a smoke and he took a big drag of his smoke and on the, on the news there was this fire and with all this smoke billowing out, that green and purple and pink smoke. And as he, as he was dragging, having a drag of his smoke, he breathed out and he said, oh man, I wouldn't want to breathe that stuff in, that'll kill you. And I was like, dude, like, have you read the, read the warning labels on, on your cigarettes? And he picked it up, he goes, nah, 
I just, I just got ones that, um, you know, it, it's bad for pregnant women. I'm not a pregnant woman. I'm fine, right? I mean, it's just like just being an idiot, right? He didn't care about the warnings. He ignored them, even though it may cost him his life. I wonder if you're hearing Jesus' warnings here. Because Jesus is not saying it's going to cost you your life. It could cost you eternity. Uh, when Jesus gives us a clear view of foolishness, are you going to take it on board? Finally and lastly, we're going to see Jesus gives us a clear choice. Have a look at verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Notice how you've got a choice. You've got a choice and Jesus says there's no middle ground. He he doesn't say, well, you can kind of be rich towards God and rich towards yourself. No, you've either got to be rich towards yourself or rich towards God. There's no middle ground. I wonder what you're going to do. See, Jesus is saying very clearly that the abundant life is not found in treasuring up possessions for yourself. The abundant life, your life, is found in being rich towards God, not storing up for yourself. That's what Jesus is saying here. Are you taking his words seriously? See, Jesus gives us a massive warning. But you know what the problem, I think, is in the end? I've been thinking, what is is our problem? Why are we... Even if we know Jesus, right, why, why are we so kind of beholden to greed and materialism in our age? I've realised it's not because we're pleasure-seeking. It's, it's that we're not pleasure-seeking enough. It's, it's we're too easily pleased. See, we're, we're, th- we're playing with silly things like Money and overseas holidays and, uh, and guitars and cars and whatever it is, right? And we're finding our identity in that. Yet true joy and happiness and our, and our true identity can only be found in Jesus. And we're trading something that's really kind of silly. Or, or Sorry, we're trading something that's really good for something that's kind of Silly, we're giving up the ultimate for something pretty average. Uh, imagine, uh, my wife said this illustration won't work, but I'm going to try it and we'll see if it works. Imagine you're at, you're at the Sydney Olympic Park and, and you're, you're there and, and, and you're watching a basketball game, right? And there's all, all these great basketball players, right? There's, you know, Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, all this kind of stuff. And then an announcement comes over, over the monitor and says, um, Hans Christensen is meant to be playing for this game. If anyone knows, can you come down to the front desk? And, and you go, oh, I know this guy. Okay, I'll run down and go, oh. And they say, can you call Hans? Because he's meant to be playing with Larry Bird and Chris Webber and all these kind of, kind of people, right? And you go, okay, I'll call him. And you call him and you go, Hans, what are you doing? I say, oh, I'm playing basketball. Where are you playing basketball at? Oh, I'm playing at King's Park, just down the road. Who are you playing basketball with? Oh, just, some, just some seven-year-olds. I'm destroying them. It's great fun, right? You know? And you go, no, 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 you, you should come because, because you're meant to be playing with, with all these guys, all the greats. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. You, you, what would you be saying? You'd be going, hands, I know nothing about basketball, but I know that you're being a fool right now because you're trading the world's ultimate basketball game to play with a bunch of seven-year-olds at Kings Park. Are you kidding me? 
and here's the thing. When we trade being rich towards ourselves with being rich towards God, if we get that wrong, what we're doing, it's like we're we're playing basketball with a bunch of seven-year-olds when we could be playing with the greatest. It is we're trading something amazing for something pretty average. Are you doing that? Because I know this passage has said I am and I need to change. So here's the question Jesus is asking, and I think it's a blunt question. Are you going to follow Jesus with your money? To put it bluntly, Jesus is asking, are you going to be a materialistic fool? Or are you going to follow Jesus on the adventure of using your wealth to be generous towards Jesus and make much of him with all the things that he has given you because of what he's done. That's the choice. What are you going to decide? Let's pray. Oh, Father God, I, I have not liked preaching this sermon because of fear. I, I feel just so vulnerable because there's so many parts of my life that I, I know that I'm out of step with your word here. And I dare say all of us in this room have, the Spirit has spoken to us and, and pointed out all these different areas of our lives that we're out of step with you. But I pray that you would be gracious to us, that we would not walk away from here and just forget about what you've said. But you would help us to, to get the help we need. Maybe it's someone looking at how much we earn and how much we give away. Maybe it's asking questions of some of the things that may have made us angry. Lord, we do not want to be people who try to find our lives in the abundance of our possessions. But we want to find our lives in serving the Lord Jesus who though he was rich, yet became poor, so in his poverty we might become so spiritually rich. And so, Lord, help us to repent of greed and materialism and follow the Lord Jesus. Amen.